Hello, thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. Hello, people of Moore. This is your minister, Christopher Stevens. And right now, I'm making this recording because last night we had an amazing, amazing singing and praying night uh, for the month of May on May 1st. But guess what? We did not record any of that. There was great singing um, by the congregation, and we had a great time in the Lord. And I just want to put this message out there again as well. Uh, we have Mother's Day coming up, so we're going to have to take a break from our series for one week um, for a sermon specially prepared for the mothers. Uh, but I want to share this message with you in this series called The Bible Doesn't Say That. Uh, the, one, the one that I dealt with on last night was the idea or the phrase of God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. We've all heard that before. We've all heard people tell us that when we're going through things. But what I want you to know is, is that the Bible does not say that, as our series states. Uh, last night, I pointed you to focus your attention on something. Right now, the biggest movie in the country and maybe the world, probably more likely the world, is uh, uh, The Avengers, Endgame. You know? But the movies that set up this movie... Civil War, Infinity Wars, there's two characters in that movie. One name is Captain America, and the other is Iron Man. And within these two movies, we see that the relationship has has been uh, stunted, it's been damaged, because they no longer get along with each other. Now, the reasons for that, I'll let you figure that out, but they no longer work together as a team. They started off as a team but they're not working together as a team. So we look at Infinity Wars and Civil War, and they begin to be at odds with each other. They make their own teams. And what they realize at the end of Infinity Wars is that they are not enough alone to defeat the great enemy, Thanos. Iron Man, Captain America are great superheroes. They can do great things. But when they don't work together, they are not able to accomplish and overcome the enemy. Now, I, the reason why I bring that up is because that is something that we are all familiar with. That is something that we all recognize. Sometimes we try to handle situations by ourselves. And you see what happens whenever two things that work well together are split apart from one another. We've seen this scenario within our society 
where we look at our homes and they have been fractured because mother and father are separated. And so the bringing up of children and the keeping of, the, of a home is not as good as it could be when they're both together. You see that uh, the damage that occurs when a mother and father, husband and wife don't work together, even whenever they live in the same home and how ineffective their homes are towards the world when our families should be showing the world God. You see how ineffective things are whenever they are separated. We see this in our country, which is almost 250 years old. And still we have remnants of racism and prejudice that still uh, cause damage to our country because we have a group of people who have chosen to divide themselves. Right. If we were to work together, we could get rid of these things, these things that that are like a cancer to our country. But yet and still, we're still separated. Uh, we see it also in, in music groups. Uh, if you ever heard of the Beatles or, or Immature or Destiny's Child or the Jackson 5, all of these groups were great groups when they first started out. But when these people separate from each other, they're not as great as they were collectively. Now, I know that Beyonce did her thing. I know that Michael Jackson did his thing. I know that uh, Paul McCartney did his thing. But each individual member of those groups, they aren't as great separately as they are together. How many, how many platinum albums has Kelly put out? How many platinum al albums has Tito put out? How many platinum albums have whatever the people who didn't do well in the Beatles did? They don't make awesome albums all of them didn't go and make awesome albums you know when we when we examine this phrase or this thought god won't give you more than you can handle i need you to know that the bible does not say that and i need you to also know that god will in fact give you more than you can handle and if we want to survive we must understand that we are not able to overcome alone we cannot do this by ourselves. I want you to realize when you have been beaten, you need to go to God sooner rather than later. I want you to understand that we are not enough and God completes us. What we're going to look at today is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. I'm going to read to you from the Christian Standard Bible. And if you're driving your cars, don't, don't try to read or anything. Or if you're at the gym, just listen up. You don't have to fall off the treadmill while I read. All right? Don't try to, don't try to mess it up, okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Now, this is a, an epistle, a letter that Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And he's been dealing with some things with them. Uh, in his first letter, he's talking about the, the validity of, of him as an apostle and how people have creeped, crept into the church at Corinth and they're trying to pervert the gospel. And you have these Judaizers that's trying to tell the people who are Gentiles, hey, you need to do what Jews did in order to be worthy of God. And Paul has made some headway with this group of people in Corinth. Uh, he has written a letter and, and, and now he's in Ephesus as he writes Second Corinthians, which is more than likely a third letter. And he's talking to the people about what's going on with them. This is the beginning of his epistle. And he begins by saying this. I'm going to read in this entirety first, and then we'll break it down a little bit. 
He starts off by saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will also share in the comfort. We don't want you to be unaware. Brothers and sisters of our affliction that took place in Asia, we were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a terrible death and he will deliver us. We have put our hope in him that he will deliver us again. While you join in helping us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. I want you to first think about and reflect on verse number three. Paul starts off in verse number three by saying, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word blessed here, it looks like the English word eulogy. And I know that, that whenever you go to a funeral, whenever someone eulogizes someone, it, the purpose of it is to speak well of them to talk about great things that happened in their life. And Paul here is saying, God is great. God, God, he's the father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. He's the father of mercies. He's the father of, of, of not giving us what we deserve, but giving us good things. And he's also the father and the God of all comfort. And now when we hear this word over and over again, this passage, I want you to understand that this word comfort points not only to just being comforted, but also to encouragement, right? We get encouragement from all kinds of what, all kinds of things and, and many different kinds of ways, but God is the father of mercies and he's the God of all comfort. He is the one who comfort and encourages. And Paul here is about to describe a situation to where God comfort and encourages us through our afflictions, through our sufferings. And in this passage, he uses many different words to talk about uh, suffering. He uses a word that means suffering, a word that means affliction. He uses different words to describe, hey, I've been through many different kinds of bad things, right? Many different kinds of bad things, some light bad things, some medium bad things, and some very heavy and hard hitting bad things. Verse number four, he says, he comforts us, God comforts us in all our affliction, in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. I need you to understand that 
when God chooses to comfort us in our affliction, Paul is saying that we need to be comforting others in their affliction. Think about that for a moment. Since God does for us what we can't do for ourselves, we ought to be doing the same for other people. And God gives us the ability to do so. Now, I need you to understand that it does not come from you, but it comes from God. It says through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God gives us like a, a bank or a tank of comfort and encouragement so much so that we have enough for ourselves and enough to give to someone else. So that's what we should be doing. We should not ignore those who need comfort, who need encouragement. It's our duty, right? That's our calling. Verse number five, he says, for just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. I need you to understand that if you are a child of God, if you are a Christian, I want you to understand that any faithful and obedient follower of Christ will experience suffering. You're not exempt from suffering. You're not exempt from having hard times. You're not exempt from having bad things happen to you in your life. I need you to understand that if Christ received these things, we too will also receive these things, but we share them in Christ and with Christ. And just as we receive the sufferings of Christ and they overflow to us, we need to understand that also through Christ, our comfort overflows and we, we will receive this overflowing of comfort and encouragement through Christ as well. So it's not just a one-sided thing to where we only receive bad things because we're children of God, but we're also going to receive encouragement and comfort through Christ Jesus. At times, it's hard for us as human beings to understand these things in the moment because it's like we only pay attention to the bad things. And when things get good, it's like our mind tends to not keep track or note the good things that are going on in our lives because when good things are going on, we're just living. But when bad things are happening, we're taking notes and we're keeping tab and we're saying, God, why are you doing this to me? But Paul here talks about, about how God deals with affliction and suffering. He comforts and encourages us. Second Corinthians 1, 6, the Bible says, if we are afflicted and what Paul is doing in Christ is worth it because it means others will be comforted, encouraged while on this earth and receive salvation. He says, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Paul, how is it for our comfort and salvation if we're afflicted? How is it so? How is it for our comfort, encouragement, and salvation? Paul says in verse number six, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. Paul explains that when we face afflictions, when we face our trials, when we face our hard times, it produces in us, it produces in us patient endurance. This thing called life that we live here on this earth is sometimes referred to as a race. Right or a walk. Some of us will live for many years, 70, 80, 90, even 100 years. And if we want to make it to where God 
is at the end, we're going to need some endurance. We're going to need some endurance. And, and afflictions, trials and tribulations create in us this patient endurance so that we can walk righteously towards God. The question that I asked is that when we use this phrase, God won't give us more than we can handle. Why would God want us to not grow in patience? Why would God not want us to have patience? He gives us these trials so that we can, so that we can endure. Paul continues to speak about this affliction and suffering thing. In verse number seven, he says, and our hope for you is firm because we know that as you share in the suffering, so you will also share in the comfort. Paul is confident, right? He, he talks about hope. And remember when we look at this word hope, this word hope is talking about an expectation. Paul has seen in the past that God has delivered his people, whether it be the children of Israel, whether it be himself, whether it be his son, Jesus, who came down to this earth, he has saw that God has always delivered his people when they were in trouble. Paul says, our hope for you is firm, is solid. My expectation of what God is going to do with you is solid. You're going to share in our sufferings and you're also going to share in our comfort. That's what Paul is saying in verse number seven. Paul, Paul is saying, I'm a vet in this thing called suffering. And it's bad in the moment, but God has brought me through this thing and he's going to do the same for you. I want you to know that if you're listening to this right now, if you're going through something that you don't think that you're going to make it out of. Paul made it out and you can too. I made it out and you can too. That's the attitude that you have to have. You have to always. And that's why it's so important that we always read and study our Bible and look at these people who are dealing with bad things in their life. A lot of times we only seek to open our Bibles to find encouragement. Look at the bad times in people's life in the Bible. And see how God delivers them and know that God is going to do the same thing for you. Verse number eight, he says, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place. It's a different word from the uh, the sufferings that we talked about in verse number seven. He said, I don't want you to be unaware of what I went through in Asia. He says, we were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. Here, Paul speaks about a different kind of suffering, and he's talking about being pressed down, going through something that was too much for him. And Paul was a bad dude. He, he was he was tough. Paul was tough before he became Paul. He was going around dragging people out of homes, killing off Christians. Paul went into a theater full of thousands of people and told them they were all wrong for worshiping a false God. He was not scared of a lot of things. But Paul says in this moment in Asia, he was completely overwhelmed. He was an apostle. He's a great man. He could do special things through God. But alone in this moment in Asia, he was not enough. And God had given him more in Asia than he could handle. He says that it was beyond our strength. He says, by myself, I could not handle the situation. 
by myself. I couldn't handle the situation. A lot of us have grown up. I know in our culture, uh, you see a lot of people growing up in single parent homes to where mothers have to be mama and daddy. And you see these mothers who have to be tough and have to be gentle and have, and you see these people and these individuals and you say, man, that's what I have to be like. That's what I need to be. And the thing, the truth of the matter is, is that being that is exhausting and it's going to tear you down in the long run. We have to realize that there are some things that are just beyond our strength. There are some things that we just can't handle. And there are some things that whenever we try to formulate a plan for, it's going to end up in disaster. When we try to handle things by ourselves. Paul says that he despaired in life himself. He continued on in verse number nine says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death so that we could not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And this right here is, is the, the, the most awesome verse in this passage. He says that whenever I felt like I was going to die, that made me realize that we needed God, sometimes God is going to allow things in your life to let you know that I know that you've been doing great things. I know that you're an awesome person because I created you, but there are some things that you can't handle and I need you to understand that you can't be as awesome as you are without me. God wants us to understand that he created you. He knows you're awesome, but he can do more with you if he's with you. God can raise from the dead. God can raise from the dead. Think about that for a moment. I know we face tough situations, but there's somebody listening right now who is in a situation to where the situation smells of death. Their marriage is dead. The success of their children after they have left home, it looks like it's a dead situation. Their health is something that's fatal, that's, that's pointing them towards death. I need you to understand that we serve a God who resurrects. He brings things back from the dead and gives it life again. Paul says that sometimes God allows things to happen in your life, allows things to even die, just so he can raise them from the dead. Verse number 10, he says, he has delivered us from such a terrible death and he will deliver us. I'll say that again. He has delivered us from such a terrible death and he will deliver us. We have put our hope in him that he will deliver us again. This word delivered in verse number 10 is mentioned twice here. And it has an awesome meaning in the Greek. Uh, that word for delivered there means to rescue from danger with the implication that the danger in question is severe and acute. I need you to understand in verse 10, when it says here that God will deliver us, that means that we have fallen into some extreme or severe danger. And what I want you to get from that is this, just because we are headed towards danger does not mean that God is always going to save us from it before we get there. 
Just because we're headed towards danger doesn't mean that God is always going to save us from it before we get there. Sometimes God is going to allow you to fall into a place that is going to cause you some hurt, that's going to cause you some, some affliction, some suffering, and then he's going to deliver you from it. God will allow some things to come into your life that will cause some suffering that will cause you to be afflicted. But it is not because he does not love us. It is because he is producing this patient endurance in us. It is because he wants us to rely on him. It is because he does not want us to trust in ourselves. And it's so easy to do as human beings to trust in ourselves. God will save you from that terrible and dangerous situation. God will resurrect your dead situation. If he has saved us before as children of God, he will save again. Verse number 11, Paul says, while you join in helping us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. What we need to understand is, Suffering brings glory, honor, attention to God. When others see how faithful God is to deliver, the suffering is worth it. When others see that believers stick with God, even in dead situations, the suffering is worth it. When others see that they too can have a dead situation be reversed by God, the suffering is worth it. When we suffer and stick with God, other people get to see how awesome God is. Other people get to witness the power of God. And other people get to see that just because you are righteous, and I use air quotes, or holy, and all of these different things, you have problems in your life too, just, just like they do. But you have a method, a way, to get out of the problems and the way is God. The next time you talk with someone who has come to you with a challenging situation, you let them know to hold on to God until he fixes it. When it looks like a deadly situation, when it looked like it's a situation that is, that is dead, and even when you're dealing with someone or are you dealing with yourself and you've been dealing with a situation for 50 years and it has not gotten better. Remember, stay with God. I want you to know that when you have been beaten, recognize it sooner so that you can trust God to handle your situation sooner. We are not enough. We need God. I know that you're an awesome individual. I know that you can do great and wonderful things. I know that you've done great things in the past. You pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps. But there are some things that you cannot handle alone and you need God. I want you to recognize this because this was so this was powerful to me after I read this passage. When we stop relying on ourselves, when we stop having trust in ourselves and we die to ourselves, God will resurrect us into something better 
than what we were before, just as he did with Jesus Christ. He, when he was in the tomb and he gave his life for us, he came back as something different, something more powerful, something with power, someone with power, excuse me. If you die to self and say, I am not enough, I cannot accomplish all these things by myself, and you allow God to take over, watch how he will resurrect you into something more special, more powerful than what you were before. God will give you more than you can handle so that you can know that you need him. What will happen in our community if they saw us giving God praise in our steadfastness during our sufferings? What would happen to our church if we understood that overpowering suffering is sometimes allowed by God and it is for our benefit? What would happen in the world if we as Christians set the example of having hope, right? This expectation in a God that will deliver and save even from dead situations. God will allow more than you can handle, but it is for you to see how much you need him. Realize when you have been beaten sooner so that God may give you the victory sooner. I want you to understand that we are not enough and that God completes us. I want to pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time asking that whatever you allow to come to us, you will always bless us with a heart that recognizes that we need for you to handle the situation. Dear God, we ask that you would allow us to recognize the encouragement and the comfort even when times are bad. We ask that you would bless us with this patient endurance that Paul speaks about so that we can continue to endure when afflicted and when suffering. We ask dear Lord that you will bless and make new the dead situations in our lives. We ask that you would give them life again. And we ask that our lives be a living testimony to those who do not know you yet. We ask that you allow our suffering to be for a purpose so that others may come to you. And we ask that you may get all the glory when you bring us out of our tough situations. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.